got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Hey, sports fans, welcome to Sports Nerds. Here are your hosts, Dr. Samuel J. and Dr. Brian Schrader. <clears throat> Looks like we're uh, we're up and going. Fellow sports nerd, how, how goes it today? Good, man. How are you? You're you're very excited today. Did you want to tell our wonderful listeners why you're excited? What happened to you today? <laughs> uh, I got tickets to go see uh, the the U.S. Nationals uh, finals for curling on Saturday. Not like they were hard to get. I didn't have to like wait in line or pay a broker or you know go to Ticketmaster or anything like that. I, I just got online and bought them. But I'm still pretty stoked. You yeah. did say the general admission tickets were sold out. Yeah, general admission did sell out did sell out two days beforehand i had to get a reserved reserved seat so today we were kind of on a short leash because i've got to go pick up uh my children can't just leave them at school and we got some things to cover before we get to those things let's just say um if you haven't already find us wherever you get your podcasts subscribe to us rate us we would much appreciate it and you can follow whatever we're doing on instagram and facebook and uh on on twitter as well so we appreciate your patronage is it patronage or patronage brian i would say patronage patronage because then you're a patron you're a patron it depends on how recently you've watched an episode of downton abbey have you watched a lot of downton abbey i've never seen i've never i thought it was downtown abbey and they just mispronounced it I guess I mispronounced it. Sorry, I made myself think of a joke from Modern Family, and that made me laugh. If you're wondering what what just happened, oh my god, <laughs> uh, that's a funny show. That is a very funny show. Well, hey everybody, there's Brian right there on the Instagram. What's up? Oh, holla! Wearing my sunglasses inside because it's bright out. Folks, if you're watching us on Facebook and the audio is bad, we apologize. We're not quite sure what the technical issues are, but we only do Facebook so that way we can download the video and edit it together and put it on YouTube. So just so you know, it's that's how we have to record because we don't have the equipment to do it any other way. But so Brian's going to it's it's Valentine's Day. Brian's going to the US curling championships this weekend and to Bells. And to Bells. Bells, if you're listening, uh, you know, shout out, give me some beer. We will gladly become sponsors of Bell's Brewery. Yes. Um, before before we jump into the sports stuff, I forgot to tell you yesterday that uh, this is relating to good beer. Eric James and I went up to Falling Rock, and we were just going to have a, a beer and an, and an afternoon bite to eat. And I'll be damned if they didn't have Pliny the Younger on tap. Ooh. Yeah, they only had like four kegs, and they were tapping them. Uh, every now and then they weren't really advertising it and son of a bitch we got it we got us a glass of Pliny the Younger and if you've never had Pliny the Younger have you had it before right I have yeah uh, it's it's an, a triple IPA that drinks like a session IPA if you know anything about beer yeah. that's a problem that's gets you in some if you're chugging triple IPAs that's a major issue I'm 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 convinced that sometimes I'm not reflexive about my personality and then I'm a story one upper. Like I hear someone tell a story. I'm like, well, hold on to your, you know, pants. I got a better story. So I'm not trying to do that right now. In this moment I am being reflexive. But I just got but I just got, I don't think I told you, a guy on my bowling team, bowling and curling. This is a this podcast is taking a weird turn. Guy on my bowling team uh from Vermont. (laughs) 
Yeah, those are both uh, sports where you can drink a beer at the same time. Guy on my bowling team uh, who, who lives in Michigan but is originally from uh, the Northeast. He's from Massachusetts, but uh, he and his wife lived in Vermont for a long time. Brought me back a um, a beer from from Alchemist. Brought me a, a heady topper, which I think is more elusive than even uh, the the Pliny's. Right? Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that beer? I've had one before. Friend of the podcast, uh, Dr. Rob Margerson, brought me one back years ago but i got this one in my fridge i'm just waiting for i don't know i don't know what the right the right moment oh google i don't know if it's true anymore but for a long time it was just like the consensus number one beer in the world it seems like the this is not your beer cop podcast right what are we doing uh it seems like people have moved away from the ipa so maybe you know maybe it's not ranked that that high anymore but it's a good beer Okay, I'm sorry. We're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna <laughs> awkward, wait. awkward gonna, pause. I was I was listening. You're to reading, you're reading about uh, you reading reading on the internet about Hetty Topper. No, I've gone down this wormhole on Twitter. So why don't we just start with that? Right? Are you reading uh, Twitter comments right now? I'm reading Twitter comments. So a little backstory. I was on a panel at Denver Sports, or sorry, Denver, uh, the Denver Press Club on Friday night with Gary Shapiro and a few other journalists. Um, Mickey Javala would be the other noted one. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Matt, Matt Crochell, yes, but he's more of a mountain journalist, so folks down here may not know him. But Gary and and Nikki for sure. Nikki um, writes for the Atlantic. She's kind of one of the up and coming sports writers. But I was on this panel and it was talking about journalism and social media. And so uh, Sunday, Denver press club ran some pictures of the event and it has just exploded on twitter and so that's i've gone down this wormhole and brian is telling me i shouldn't brian is telling me not to not to fuel the fire of, yeah. of uh online idiocy but i have and so uh, sorry that's what i'm doing but i we don't have to spend much time on this right but i i want to i want to ask you um should we expect something different of Twitter, whether it's for sports conversations or political conversations? Should Twitter somehow be this thing that is uh, a public forum? Because a lot of people think that it is that, but it, it certainly isn't. It doesn't function yeah. the way you can't have an argument on there. No, this is this is like a, a social media concept that anytime I talk about it when I'm teaching in class, teaching common theory or whatever, that people I think sometimes forget, right? That your Facebook page or your Insta account or your Twitter page, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, looks nothing like anybody else's, right? We, but we tend to think when we're looking at Facebook that other people are having a similar or the, the same experience, right? So that's just something that's true about these platforms, for good or for bad, right? Maybe it creates echo chambers, maybe great, whatever. Uh, you know, it means that we get to participate in specific communities that we self-select membership into, those, those sorts of things. Um, I, to, the answer to your question is, you have total control over what you want your social medias to look like. Right, you can you can engage with you know idiots who who share fake news or who troll people or you know that sort of sort of nonsense. Or the beauty of them is that you can that you can self select out of those things. Right. So I don't know. My Twitter is um, I use it for completely different purposes than Facebook. Facebook is friends and family and pictures of people's kids and pictures of your food and that sort of stuff. My Twitter is. Uh, nothing but sports news and and politics news. Those are the only things I read about on Twitter. And if you self-select into the right people, then then I think you can have good conversations. I think it can be a good vehicle for information. But if you cast too wide of a net, or if you're too you know uh, you know uh, liberal with your follows, not politically liberal, but you know if you're if you, if you if you follow too many people or are unwilling to to shut out conversations you don't want to have, then yeah, it can it can become it can become really stupid. 
it is really really dumb uh but i think i don't know it's we're in a weird time where i think a lot of people whether it is politics or it is sports and it seems to be those two factions actually those two areas or industries that spend so much time on there i don't think it's just you and i and our you know the things that we follow on twitter it sure seems like those are the predominant um um perspectives voices uh, products that are out there on twitter but um i think it's just kind of funny how uh, a lot of folks think that you can have some sort of realistic or valuable debate on there and that's just it's just not possible but we don't have to spend any more time on that if you're interested people go and follow this thread on twitter because it's uh it's quite interesting i've become quite famous and then and i've realized that uh i don't mean quite famous i'm actually not that famous at all. <laughs> but um a few of these right wingers have have followed some other stuff that i do including tivoli brewing company and denver sports lab and they've actually shared positive comments so um <laughs> Yeah, so Tivoli Tivoli Beer Company has a it's starting to get quite the following by the uh, the white supremacist crowd. So Ken and Steph, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, sorry or you're welcome or uh, who knows. Yeah, that's that's weird. That's because I've I, I ever made this comment to you. This this I don't know joke is the right word that anytime I see people who are like super overcommitted to a to a style. You know, it always, particularly if it's a really like hard line or aggressive style, it always it always trips me out. Like. I don't know how you could decide to be like a goth person or a biker. No offense if you're either of those things. Only because if you do that, right, if you're going to wear, you know, all black clothing and, and, and spike your hair and whatever, you're going to be a punk or whatever it is, you're stuck with that. And you forfeited the opportunity to go home and, and you know, like get under a blanket and, and watch Everybody Loves Raymond with some cookies or something like that. That's, that's too polar opposite of the style that you've adopted. The thing that you've just described to try and connect that weird story is to say, the people that you're talking about have are, are successfully or or with some degree of success accomplishing what I just said you can't do. You're going to be this, you know, trolly personality on, on Twitter and Facebook, but then simultaneously be like, oh, but I also like beer. You know what I mean? You need to be more committed. They need to have separate, separate, uh, you know, social medias where they where they do their, you know, like extreme commenting or whatever. Oh, that makes sense. All it's, right. <laughs> no, it made a lot of sense. Let's jump back into sports. Yeah, um, uh, Catherine, Catherine Jay is making comments on her Instagram saying, is it Sonny in Brian's living room or is that Howard Stern? I don't know. Sonny. Yeah, kind of looks like it's Sonny. It's, it's not Howard Stern. I know he does. Go, he go, does look like. go back. Go back and look at all the old videos. And how many times have you seen sun? It doesn't sun, it doesn't, doesn't sun here very often. I'm enjoying it. I'm not closing the curtains. It's nice. No, enjoy it. Make sure you put some sunscreen on those cheeks. Yeah. Be careful. All right, let's jump into uh, the first sports-related story of the day, which will be Chris Sale, who has called out MLB teams, maybe the Boston Red Sox, his own Boston Red Sox a bit um, as well. Uh, he's talking about free agency and the fact that nobody has signed uh, Craig Kimbrell, who arguably the best closer in the game. And I think, I mean, I'll let you get into it, but there's a, I mean, there are several storylines going on right now with free agency. Um, I'm anxious to see what you have to say about Harper and Machado not being signed yet, but just, just jump into this from the first, uh, the kind of that, that first element of the story. What are your thoughts on, on what um, Sale said and then Craig Kimbrell not being signed yet? Yeah. I mean, I texted it to you and I, you know, I the comment I wrote was hot take, right? I mean, I think, Oftentimes we get more measured responses from athletes, not all the time, but oftentimes we get more measured kind of 
uh, cerebral media responses so they don't get in trouble with their teams or with their teammates or whatever. But this is, um, yeah, he's putting the league on blast. He's put, you know, he's talking shit, but potentially about his own baseball team. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not sure if he's wrong. I think it's, it's bizarre. Everyone who's, you know, involved in, interested in baseball who follows baseball who follows hot stove stuff who's you know kind of tracking free agents knows it's been a really really bizarre year that we've got hundreds of free agents who you'd think most of whom would have found a home by now are, are just out there and you've already said some of the um the 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 big names that are that are that are still available are really weird bryce harper who um i i don't know if this reporting uh ended up being being verified but i think the common uh understanding is that he got offered $300 million by his own team, the team he currently plays for. And, and, and he said no. So I don't know. I think that I, I, I want to say that, that some of the, what, what Chris sale is saying here resonates. It makes sense. It's, it's weird. I mean, his, the point that he's making is that, that players are so costly that teams are making the calculated decision to, to put a worse product on the field to save money. Right. Which is, if you're a fan of any, I mean, if a lot of Rockies fans listen to this podcast, we've been used to that for a long time. But I don't think anybody wants to hear that their team is not going out and 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 competing for the best possible players ever. The flip side of this for me is three hundred million dollars. If you're saying no to three hundred, you can't spend three hundred million dollars in your lifetime. What are you doing? That's it's getting out of control. And and maybe what's happening is all these teams are finally kind of drawing a. Uh, an unofficial line in the sand and saying, yeah, we want, we want to, we want to compete for the best players, but you know, $300 million is, is, is too much. I don't ever want to give Colin Coward too much credit, but I, I remember him saying this years and years and years ago. And it's really stuck with me that people, fans want their teams to go out and sign big name players and to give people these big, huge contracts. And and the history of, of those types of contracts is really bad, right? That we give older players a shitload of money for things they've done in the past with, with it very unlikely they're going to do those things in the future and that fans sort of demand that of their uh, from their organizations. But what they don't realize is the ownership's not going to make less money if they sign these really expensive players. They're going to pass that, that, that cost on to the fans. Hot dogs are going to cost more. Beers are going to cost more. Tickets to the game are going to cost more. So there's an element of, of, of my, my – there's a part of me that wants to say I'm, I'm okay with somebody – in 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 baseball or in sports saying this shit's getting too expensive and and we need to be more more realistic you know about what what we're willing to pay players what organizations should be willing to charge fans at some point we're going to get to a, a a a point where the economy can't sustain this sort of stuff and i fear we've already crossed that point in some regards right the fact that some people are still going to baseball games and football games doesn't mean that there are other people in the world who are being priced out of attending those things. You know, you, you take your kids to a baseball game, you know, your, your family, the baseball game, you, you, you might be out, you know, two, three, 400 bucks. That's too much. I think there's okay. So yeah, uh, everything you've said, I tend to agree with, but I think, I don't know if it's, it's an either or in terms of why ownership isn't spending this money. I don't necessarily think that it is, um, just because they don't want long-term contracts or just because uh, you know, they don't want to be saddled with, with this debt for that long or that guys aren't necessarily worth that. I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, I think um, it, it really is these ownership, this ownership or owners taking a very, very 
uber business or, or uber um, capitalistic approach to, to building and running a team that is unique to the United States. And I think we kind of learned that many, many weeks ago. When we've talked about that. It's, it's run like a business and efficiency and ROI are two of the defining characteristics of that decision-making. And so if you can't get a guy for three years kind of and take a run at winning a world championship in those two to three years, you're going to pass that up and try to find other long-term talent that you can get through the draft, that you can trade and then develop all of these things. And so I guess it's, it's really changed how baseball is operating. And I think we're, we're seeing – the almost at the we're at the apex of it in baseball i don't know if, if if there are other sports to compare to it i think maybe in basketball we're also there i think basketball is kind of this hyper capitalization uh capitalization of of you know free agency contracts and roi and and how those how those uh, perspectives get used to hire a guy or to sign a guy but um i guess what i'm saying is i this is what's happening, right? We, we saw it last year. We've seen it for the last five years where off-season off acquisitions, they take a long time to play out. And these teams are not necessarily having to, to make the big plunge or to, you know, to take the big plunge to win because um, they're seeing it as a long-term game. They're seeing it as a business. And so many of the cable contracts they have or the TV contracts they have are going to be able to pay for uh, you know, to, to line the pockets of the owners and the GM and all these other stakeholders enough to kind of get them through uh, the era or the years, the time uh, that they're waiting for somebody like a Chris Bryant or a, uh, a Mike Trout to come about or even a Bryce Harper uh, to, that you can draft and then let that person in the first years of their contract, uh, you know, when they're making the minimum kind of rise you to the top. Does that does that make sense? No, I mean, I think that's that's the, the model, the, the business model where you're going to make the most money is not paying $300 million for Bryce Harper, but drafting Bryce Harper. And that's, that's true across sports that, that when young athletes who, who are likely to, to sign um, lower paying deals early on their careers, that's when, that's when you're going to make, that's when you're going to make the, the, the most money. Um, I don't know that I, I, I really am of two minds on this and I can't decide which one is right. I mean, Bryce Harper in a 10 year deal, he's 26 years old. I mean, that dude probably, is worth, I, I guess, worth. If anyone's worth three hundred million dollars over ten years, I guess maybe that dude is. I don't know. He doesn't have as many. How old is How old is Manny Machado? He's older, right? <laughs> I, I'm not sure off the top of my head. No, you'll have to look. I mean, I think he basically wanted the the exact. Uh, he's also 26. They're both they're both they're both the same age. I don't know. Manny Machado probably hurt his stock because uh, of perceived kind of you know hustle issues in the playoffs last year when he was playing for the Dodgers. I think if he was a free agent a year before, he probably. Would have been in my mind would have been um, you know maybe even a bigger name than than Bryce Harper, but, I, but signing these two dudes for ten year contracts at, at twenty six even though by the end you may not be getting um, you know the best the the best out of them that they've ever had in their careers are, are probably not are probably not terrible contracts. Um, I, I don't know. Even as I say that, it sounded weird coming out of my mouth. It's it's so much money. It's it's hard to fathom. Like I, on, on the one hand, I kind of want to applaud ownership for being like, no, there's, there's certain, we, we got, we have to stop this somewhere, right? Every year in football, every year in baseball, it's the biggest contract we've ever seen, right? Over and over and over again, you know, for like five whole minutes, Derek Carr had the biggest quarterback contract contract ever. And that's been, you know, beat two or three times. Subsequently, they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. If, if 300,000 or $300 million is just the next waypoint in an ever escalating um, sort of pay scale for for professional players that's just going beyond off the fucking rails. Then 
then I kind of want to be like, yeah, good, good for you, ownership. Like, let's get this reeled back in. But the problem is they're still making hundreds of millions of dollars of profit as well. So, I mean, you, you can't give them you can't give them too much credit. So, I, I don't think I'm being very articulate, but I'm 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 sort of both on board and confused by by the message that's that's being sent. I I'll circle back to the coward thing, man. I think you know you, who's going to pay for it is the fans if players like that get signed. And then it, it, I don't know if this word's being uttered yet, but you got to wonder between all these baseball teams, no one's willing to do it if there's any collusion going on. You know, some wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Let's let's all hold firm. You know, we're not seeing any of this free agent movement. You, you, every year virtually, you have to wait for a couple pieces to fall before everything else shakes out. You know, teams have the 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 players that are really high on their wish list, and once they don't land those players, then the other pieces kind of have to uh, fall into place after. That and so maybe the same thing is happening this year, and we'll all kind of domino um, to to looking like a normal year uh, in hindsight a couple months from now. But uh, it's it's definitely a, a a weird feeling, and I don't coming back to Chris Sale, I don't disagree that there's there there is a a sense in which you you, you can tell that player you, your points about the the business the, the the business criteria that 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 ownership is using when making these decisions is true. But you always have to balance that with with competitive success, right? Does that make sense? I don't know. It it seems like the right team could come out here and, and steal steal is the wrong word, but you know, be competitive in a in a in a hunt for Machado or for Bryce Harper, and your team, you know, could could be on a, a, a real fast track to, you know, the postseason or maybe a couple a couple of championships if you can put them on the right team. I'm just looking at war right now, and I, I can't. Bryce Harper doesn't even make the top 25, and my computer is lagging so much that I can't get to the next 25. I think we're worth. I think we've understood that that statistic it carries a lot of weight. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of value to it. I, 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 to me, it's it's hard to argue against that. Sabermetricians have been working on this for 30 years, and, and we're there. Are you looking at active war? No, I'm looking from last season. Sorry, 2018 war. Um, and something that's, you know, Rob Rupp brought up on our Instagram feed is that perhaps ownership is worried about the performance that that Harper put forward last year. And, you know, if you're getting a, like if you look at the top 10, I wish I could go back to ESPN.com and find the top 30, uh, but it's going too slow here. But I mean, there are pieces out there that you can put together that would be much cheaper. Uh, you could platoon your outfield spots and arguably have the same impact uh across the the or, you know across the course of 162 game season for much much less than you would get for bryce harper and if you're an owner if you're a gm who doesn't even care about money i have to think that you're that that's something that you're considering is just that maybe that guy right maybe the value you're getting from him is not worth having to be locked into that contract not necessarily for money but just because of by years um that, that you just don't want to take that chance and I think that like he may be maybe his career and people would say, oh, that's crazy. Right. Maybe maybe he's only 20. What do you say? 26. But I mean, how many dude? we've seen this shit happen before where guys have peaked really early and never and did nothing the rest of their career. And so, I mean, I would not be surprised whatsoever if if that is what's going on. Uh, owners are apprehensive about it. And plus, I mean, if you look at the at the impact that pitchers have, even situational pitching have on outcomes of games, especially over 162 games, you can get some pretty cheap uh, bullpen pitching, uh, even some decent back-end starting pitching for much, much less than you would have to pay Bryce Harper. To me, it's 
if I go back and kind of recant what I said earlier about all, all of this being a business decision, it probably is from the ownership standpoint. But from the GM standpoint, GMs do have a lot of say, especially in organizations like the Cubs or like the Dodgers or like the Yankees. And people don't want anything to do with this with Bryce Harper. All right. They don't have a lot. Uh, you know, I'm trying to look if Manny Machado was even on this list and I'm not seeing him either. Um, so so maybe uh, maybe it's it's money and right money and. And so. <laughs> I guess here's, dude, if you look at the top two, though, Brian, it's Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. They're like, if you can't get one of those two on your team, to me, it's like you just try to put together some players that can give you value for as efficient as investment as possible because they're so far ahead of everybody else. And I think that's longstanding too, right? I think we've recognized that these two players, well, I mean, Trout for sure, are just head, head and shoulders above anybody else in Major League Baseball. And so if you can't get one of those two, why why even spend the money to get somebody that's in that second tier? Yeah, I mean, it's true. When you talk about Mookie Betts and, uh, and uh, Mike Trout, you're, you're talking about guys who just are, are, are have more tools. You know, they both can steal bases they can both hit for power but can also you know hit, hit for average um Manny Machado you think might fit that mold a little bit better because he can play third base or because he can you know he played he played a little bit of shortstop right um you know uh, Bryce Harper's uh, doesn't even play center field right plays left field or right field or something like that so his defensive utility is certainly um a little a little bit lower you make you make a valid point I'm looking I'm looking at these these numbers now myself and he does Harper does show up in in other places. He's in the top ten in home runs. I think he's in the top ten for um, uh, he's he's in the he's in the top ten for OPS plus in the NL, but not in the league overall. I think he's. I can't say whether or not last year was an off year for him or whether he never shows up at the the top of these uh, top of these lists. I, maybe I should have done a little bit more. Okay, let me cut you off because I, I want to get to this last story. But I mean, if you look at where Bryce Harper falls, so he's tied for 32nd in 2008. But right below him is Andrew Benatendi, who we had talked about with John Solo as being a steal for the Red Sox, right? Is this guy that's making no money? Uh, if we look right, like, okay, so let's compare Manny Machado and Didi Gregorius. So Manny Machado, 4.6 war, Didi Gregorius, who's making much, much less, 4.3. So if you're the Yankees, why would you ever dump a bunch of money? into Manny Machado when you have a, a guy who's going to perform just as good, right? Close uh, and cost you much, much less, uh, you know, Justin Turner's still getting a hell of a deal, man. You know, Max Muncy kind of had, a, obviously who we'll see what he does um, in, in future years. But I mean, there's some people up there who are kind of steals. Andrelton Simmons, right. Uh, is, is definitely a steal for the angels. If you're talking about at a shortstop, um, this is, I mean, these are guys who have been in the league for a while who remain extremely valuable for their cost uh, for a lot of these teams. But, okay, I got to run to pick up my kids. So let's jump into the last story because I want to get your take on this. <clears throat> we argued a little bit about this before we started the show. There was a, a good article. <clears throat> excuse me. Now there's a series of articles that have come out this morning, uh, but Deadspin kind of broke the story, uh, our go-to source for news. Uh, about Matt Kuchar, who, uh, you know, Matt Kuchar had won the Mayakoba Golf Classic, I believe, let's see, a couple of months ago. Uh, that was in Mexico. He earned $1.3 for winning, and he tipped his caddy $5,000. And I know Brian's got a take on this, but as I am going to, you know, claim my, my expertise in the area, having caddied for a long, long time, it's just known that if you win, whatever you win, your caddy gets 10%. 
and, and I understand that uh, David Ortiz, not Big Poppy, but a different David Ortiz, is not Kuchar's, you know, tr- PGA caddy. He's not the guy who's on tour with him. He just happened to, he was a, he was a, uh, a course caddy, right? He was a club caddy who uh, Kuchar had hired to, to caddy during this tournament. And so he wins. And so instead of giving that 10%, he gives him uh, 5,000. And so I'm sure what's, what, what should he have got? $130,000. Right. But so, so here's the thing. And then I'll, I'll let you take it over. It's not so much that, that Kuchar, and made that initial mistake or, or overlooked that what he should have done or that he was, it was even coming from a bad place, but it's how it's been dealt with in the months after. And so uh, Ortiz has attempted to get more money. Um, uh, uh, Kuchar's agent refused to give him, he asked for $15,000. Uh, uh, sorry, he asked for 50. Kuchar's agent offered 15. At that point, Ortiz said, keep your money. And so, that's one element of uh, one element of it, but there's also this quote that just kind of gets me, which is Kucher says, "For a guy who makes two hundred dollars a day, a five thousand dollar week is a really big week." Like so, to me, yeah, <laughs> you, you, could, you, know, you know, here's Brian's argument. Brian's argument is that you know you should have laid out terms before uh, the business deal happened, but right, like, okay, Matt Kucher's still an asshole, is what I'm saying. So your take, your defense, uh, Matt Kucher's an asshole. He, he, he's made fifty million dollars on tour just give the dude 130 grand. I agree with you. There's a little part of me though, that wants to say if it's the norm, if it's the norm that you get 10% when they, when they struck a deal beforehand, then he should have put in there. But if you win it, you should give me 10% or something like that. So while I agree that Matt Kuchar is being a dick in this instance, and he has the money and has an opportunity to kind of do a cool thing for a guy that he admits only makes $200 a day. I don't understand why, why he wouldn't do that. There's certainly no, you know, legal, maybe there's a moral obligation that he paid this guy, but there's no legal obligation. Now I know you're in a hurry. So just let me make this point very quickly. Typically caddies make, according to a golf week article uh, from, it doesn't have a date on it. I'll, I'll tell you later if I find it. Um, uh, get, caddies get paid a flat salary of, of a thousand to $2,000 a week, which is a lot lower than the $5,000 a week that David Ortiz got paid. Those caddies also, according to this Golf Week article, are required to pay their own expenses. And it estimates that caddies, 25% of the money that they make goes to their own expenses. So traveling and lodging and that sort of stuff. The player doesn't pay for those sorts of things. So that might explain why they often get 10%. This article also claims that while it's typical to get 10%, if you win a championship, it goes down. If it's second through some other place, it's you know, 5% or 8% or something. So there's a, a sliding scale in, in, in terms of, in terms of what caddies make in this case, since the caddy already worked there, it's not like you had to take into account him paying for his own expenses and kind of thinking about how much he makes over the course, over the course of the year. So I'm not defending Kuchar here. I think you're right, but I do think that to lump this caddy, even who is like an emergency caddy for Kuchar is not the same as your typical PGA Tour caddy. So maybe maybe the rules don't apply. Is this a bad look for Kuchar? Yes. Is it a better PR move to pay this dude? Yes. But I, I think there is some nuance in, in this in this topic. But dude, but dude, but dude, but dude, but dude, the I swear to you, the the difference between a club caddy and a tour caddy is very minimal in the sense that oftentimes a tour caddy just happens to be on the bag of a guy who goes out to a club and plays and really likes the caddy and ends up hiring him. I mean I know six, seven, eight instances of that 
having worked in Dallas and in Austin and up here in Denver, where that's what happens. Dudes come out there, they're playing around for fun. They get a caddy who kicks ass and they want to take this guy on tour. I mean, I know two dudes that I caddied with at, at um, Spanish Oaks who ended up, they're on tour now. I mean, this stuff happens. And so to me, the, the discrepancy between those two situations, uh, the club caddy versus the professional caddy, is not that different whatsoever. Oftentimes, the professional caddy, if they don't make enough money, they're going to end up back uh, at, at a club anyway. Or you get on a guy's bag for a for a pro-am, right, or an amateur uh, like U.S. Open qualifier, and some dude ends up qualifying for the LPGA or the PGA or some other mini tour. And that's how you kind of get your break. And so, like... I hope this Ortiz guy is able to to somehow leverage this into something else because winning a golf tournament, especially a golf tournament where you have pro caddies and not just a bunch of other club caddies, you're. I think he's proven himself to be a pretty decent fucking caddy because yes, there are. I mean, dudes have to be able to hit pl- places and hit spots, but you got to be able to read greens too, and you got to be able to argue against the golfer and kind of get them on the right spot, and you got to be able to judge. Um, uh, you know, the lay of the ball and wind and all that stuff. And so there's a precision to it that a caddy offers and also just to keep, get a guy's, get a guy's head. Right. And so well, should this guy though, here's my question for you. And I don't, I don't presume to know the answer. Should this guy have, instead of calling out Matt Kuchar to try and get an extra, you know, $95,000 or well, $125,000 instead of doing that, which I think there's a possibility that other players now might be like, I'm not going to touch this guy. You know, he called out a guy that I play with on tour all the time you know, and, and made him look like an asshole. So fuck this guy. Instead of calling out Matt Kuchar, maybe he should have been like, Hey, other people who are looking for caddies, look at, look at my resume. I just helped Matt Kuchar win this bad boy. I think I, I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve that money. I'm saying as much as this is a bad look for Matt Kuchar, I'm not sure it's doing much for David Ortiz to, to get on some pros bag. If, if he's already shown a willingness to go out there and, you know, air grievances a la Festivus. Uh, for the for the world media over, you know, I was going to say a little bit of money, but it's a ton of money. Kind of ironic that one of the best caddies I know is has just joined our Instagram feed, Patty the Caddy, <laughs> Patrick St. Louis, St. Louis. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm anxious to see what happens with this Ortiz guy, right? I don't know. Future's smart. He sends that check and apologizes. Yeah, true. I know. Yeah, he needs to save face, but as from a caddy's perspective, I hope so. Yeah, no shit. All right, I got to wrap this up. I got to go be a dad. Um, I'm looking forward to getting pictures from this weekend's U.S. Curling Championship, Brian. Because yeah, yeah we're gonna need some. We gotta. People are gonna want to see that on on the Insta. So oh, make sure you do it. All right, old buddy. You have a fantastic day, and we'll talk later. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching.